0: Yo, MTG Taps is sponsored by legitmtg.com. Strategy, streams and singles, legitmtg has it all. Oh yeah, now us. So check us out every Friday. Friday on legitmtg.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product.
1: I wonder who my competition tonight going to be. I know it ain't gonna be nobody up in here. Stay up in here. Stay up in here. Magnetic. At fourteen. W. Organized campaign, I'm on my third route. The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out. Superhero theme music Rhyme, sleep, walking, snoring The rails for football was recorded My first stop was Sway in the morning Was greeted by Heather V. Toto was a fan since the real world on MTV Now I MC Five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before, I had to get bars right Rehearsing, was asked about my upbringing How long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, look bigger hand person Was rhyming like it was a wake-up show Homie tough, I got raps for days Gotta say something for Tony Touch, my phone is gone, sorry, I can't talk right now, I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds, I sat down next on the schedule, was static selector, I'm ready, yo!
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to YOMTG
2: Taps, some of you for the first time, some of you for the next time, all of you for the last time, of course the last thing is, uh, you know, not always certain. Terry Funk has retired at least a dozen times from professional wrestling. I just saw a uh, picture of Dory Funk, who's like 70 years old, wrestling from just the other day. So never say never, but this is the last episode for now, and probably for a very long time. Uh, As you may or may not know, I am Big Head Joe, and I am joined by Stephen Marshall.
3: Say hello, Stephen.
2: Hi, guys. And... Frequent guest and now with the last episode of YoMTG Taps, honorary member of YoMTG Taps, Jeff Zandy. How you doing, man?
3: Doing great. Honored to be honorary.
2: Honored to be honorary, and I am, I am honorary about you being honored to be honorary. Cool. So uh, this is great. Uh, we, Jeff and I, went to uh, Grand Prix Albuquerque this past weekend and we had an awesome time. We're going to talk all about that. Um Steven's here too. I don't know why, but whatever, you know. I mean, stupid jerk should have gotten before the cap, but <clears throat> whatever. It was so
4: low. <laughs> yeah, it
2: was a super low cap, but if you saw the room they were in, dude, you'd be like, "Oh, Oh, I totally get it now. And mm-hmm. uh, first of all, let's just say just talking about the cap because there were some people who were upset about this cap. Um, two people alone on uh, at the guild mages Tuesday night meeting, uh, Jeff and uh, Basil both couldn't go. They both showed up to practice for the event. <laughs> well, Jeff or Stephen knew. Uh, before he arrived, but Basil didn't even know until he got there to practice that the cap had been reached, and he wasn't going to Albuquerque. (laughs) So there were some upset people in our general vicinity, and I think in in general as well. Uh, But the the, the reality is, um, the event was in the best location. That's what I read Uh, Cascade Games posted on Facebook um, about this at length. I didn't read it, but the long and short of it is... That Cascade Games is given the city by Wizards. You know, Cascade Games doesn't go,
0: "Let's do a Grand Prix in Albuquerque." You okay with that, Wizards of the Coast? Like, they
2: don't do that. Wizards goes, "You got Albuquerque. Make it work." And uh, the room that they had, and like, and you know, and then they get the weekend. It's not like they get to pick a weekend either. So, uh, you know, they got the weekend. They got the city, and they did what they could with the with what was available to them. So. The space they had is what they had, and uh, 1250 was how many could fit in there. And let me say, every single person was in that room, and there there was like almost no room for side events there to start the whole event. But they did a great job with the space. They managed to make it work. Um, I never felt too cooped up, too cramped up, although we had the convenience of having our hotel located a literal three- to five-minute walk, from the venue so i spent a lot of time between rounds just sitting in the hotel chilling uh because my rounds were so one-sided uh for good or for bad uh sometimes not never both (laughs) What, what am i saying um so yeah so space was pretty limited i think they did a great job uh but jeff and i uh got on the greyhound and this was jeff this was your first ever greyhound trip right
3: well, the first well, time since I was a child.
2: At first, like long one, right?
3: Right, 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 right. First one longer than three hours.
2: Right. It was about twelve hours. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be twelve hours. Anyway, uh, tell me, tell me a little, a little bit about that. How did you? Uh, how did you feel about all that? Now that it's okay. time to digest it.
3: Well, I want to admit that um, you know, as we had that first delay. First of all, actually, my first impression was was uh, surprising and nice, that when we walked into, we get out of the Uber, and um, walk into the bus terminal, and I didn't know they were so modern, because, you know, it had been 40 years, and I didn't know that, uh, um, you know, it was like like a little airport, except, that's the funny thing, is like, I'm so uh, stupid about buses, because I haven't used them in 40 years, yet, I know way too much about flying on airplanes, way too much, and... And uh, I didn't have to walk a mile. I mean, you walk a mile when you take a flight anywhere. Every it's airplane, true. you know, it's makes true. you – so this is like a little miniature. It's cute. It's really kind of cute, this miniature airport. And um, and it was well organized. And you walked straight to the front of the line in order to get our tickets. And uh, the lady was, you know, very, very nice but then the first Which thing is the that made exception me exception and not the rule i'm sorry but go I on i see but anyway but <laughs> I, then the first time I had a little pause though and um and a lot more of the trip i had these kind of feelings thereafter but um than the excitement when i first walked in i just i you know i didn't walk through a metal detector i didn't have to show multiple pieces of identifying you know there was no there were no m16s at least in the hands of law enforcement that i could see Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, that was so nice. But, um, um, you know, the procedure was just just better for travel. Then when we're lining up and it had, and our, you know, vehicle was um, 30, 40 minutes late. Then, I got to admit, I was like a kid being dropped off for day one at first grade. It was like, I'm not, it's not too late yet. I could still turn around and run screaming out the door. But the second we actually get on this first bus... That'll be it. And right this minute, it could still run back. I have a car. I'm not scared to drive that distance. I'll just, we'll just jump in the car, and, uh, Joe, and let's just drive. But, <laughs> but finally, at long last, when they let us on the bus, I knew. Okay. Uh, in other words, i had seated control. That that I'm sure that's a big part of it for me is that. Sure. Yeah. The car lets you decide when to stop, when to go. Right. And and that was the. The funny thing
2: is about our first delay was that the bus was there. The bus was there. The bus was waiting for us. The driver was sitting there waiting for us. The people who lead us out to the driver kept telling us that we were our bus wasn't ready yet. Our bus wasn't ready yet because they were waiting to put us on the wrong bus.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right.
2: Yeah. So, you know, and uh, I'm surprised about the minimal amount of, like, White boys going, well, Greyhound sucks, yo! Greyhound sucks, yo! It's, there's always one guy. We had him on the first stop. We didn't really have many on the rest of the stops. But there's always one white guy who thinks he's tough going,
3: man, Greyhound sucks, yo! I ride it every week, but it sucks, yo! Like, right, right, exactly. He thinks he's breaking new ground or something. And,
2: and it's like, just shut up. I'm so sick of that guy at every single bus. Like, standing in the front of the line. Going, let's go, let's go. It's, it's so ridiculous. But uh, anyway, uh, we got on the bus and uh, everything seemed to be okay. It was really interesting because um, we were running a little bit behind and then our bus driver must have thought he was in the movie Speed because I don't think he went over 55 miles per hour. <laughs> oh, it's reverse. It's like Bizarro's Speed where he didn't go over 55 miles per hour the entire trip. Safety uh,
3: is excellence
2: sure but safety doesn't get us to our transfer on time right <laughs> push down on that little accelerator and let's go man
3: yeah so, so tell them about that
2: oh yeah so so i uh we're getting there we're driving we're driving and it looks like we're running late it looks like we are going to miss our transfer by about 30 minutes uh and in amarilla the next transfer is like 11am Uh, or something like along those lines so we were like we don't want to be stuck in Amarillo for uh, for eight hours or anything foreshadowing so so I call ahead to the station and I say hey man this is uh this is getting ridiculous uh we are running really late I know you have a bus that's going to take off but we need to get on that bus so you need to tell that driver to freaking wait and he's like, yeah, but, you know, like, if uh, if he waits so long, then people are going to miss their transfers. I'm like, well, we're going to miss our transfers if he doesn't. And then you're going to be stuck with us for eight hours. And, I, and he's like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> so, like, so sure enough, you know, we uh, – and I'm already, you know, thinking of alternative – plans like okay we're gonna chill for a little bit and start to get like get ready for that uh but we pull up and there's our bus so we go right from one bus to the next bus which was a positive in the fact that you know we didn't miss our transfer was a negative in the fact that we didn't really get a chance to eat anything um i think you had this the foresight to actually eat something at one of our stops but i didn't uh so that was uh kind of my bad but we finally we finally got we got to Albuquerque on time, which was very nice, 7 a.m., 7 a.m.-ish. We maybe got there like 30 minutes late, but it's better than
3: – I would say something like 7.30 a.m. on Friday morning of a GP. I've never been that early other than Vegas last year. I've never been flat out in the town on Friday morning. It's like the, the whole day, and I'm not tired from driving 12 hours.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It was nice. Um, We showed up to the hotel. We were able to even check into the hotel.
3: Immediately. 8 a.m. Yeah, it was great. It was like getting an extra day for free.
2: Yeah, basically. Um, So that was really nice. And we went to breakfast at the hotel. We had, uh, I had a burrito that was like, they were like, green or, or red chili? And that's, the question of the entire weekend right right <laughs> and my first answer obviously was both because i didn't know
3: exactly so,
2: so they come out with this huge burrito and i gotta say like for eating in a hotel that giant breakfast burrito that was like half covered in green chili half in red chili was like 10 bucks it looked good yeah, and it was a huge burrito for 10 bucks. It was probably the best value I've ever gotten at a hotel for breakfast or for anything, really. Hotels usually gouge the hell out of you, but no, this was pretty good. Double Tree by Hilton, right next to the Albuquerque Convention Center. Highly recommended
3: hotel. Not the biggest hotel, but it was amazing because, first of all, you there were a pair of elevators... On each side of the lobby, you know, uh, backed up to each other, sort of. Yeah. So it didn't matter which door you came in. You were right in an elevator. Either you were walking right in, right past the past the front desk or in the concierge, or you were walking in right past the Starbucks, uh, which was very handy if it had only been open longer. Yes. And then, boom, you're in the elevator. When you get off the elevator, once you figure out which direction you're supposed to go, you nobody walks more than um 100 feet or so couldn't possibly walk further from the elevator than 100 feet to your room yeah dude new hotels oh my god mhm and then you and you walk 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 and then and then you get to a turn you go oh, that must be where the last room is no the hallway just turns now there's another 300 feet you can walk yeah that is totally real uh and but and and they'll try to sell you that that's better because you know now this now we can have a water slide inside the lobby because <laughs> we are such a giant operation. Well, give me this smaller hotels ten stories tall, probably didn't have more than uh um twelve rooms per floor. I think it, a lot like the awesomeness of the small but still classy and very nice. Uh, Holiday Inn Express that we were in in Detroit last August. Mm-hmm. And, and
2: uh have to say, had a 13th floor. Oh, right. This
3: one, this one manned up. It had a 13th floor and it had uh, both lobby, um, in a European-like fashion, it had both a lobby and a first floor.
2: Yeah, very cool. I liked it a lot. Um, and, the, and
3: the size of the convention center, and we were in uh, maybe the biggest room that they have, and it would only hold... You know, a thousand, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred people only, and we were packed in there. But the truth is, the facility was nice, and at least when you crossed the room, uh, you didn't you didn't need to stop and uh, you know and take on fluids because you were worn out. And this this wasn't this was the opposite, obviously, of Grand Prix Vegas last year. Oh God,
2: yeah, Vegas was a cavern.
3: The first Magic tournament that I've ever said might actually be too big. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think there were bigger rooms, but I think they just might have all been booked before uh, Albuquerque. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's might have been booked because you know that's why they wound up with the smaller
3: room. But it was an interesting facility, and that nice park across the street, and just the the easy going pace of your uh, normal of your average person in Albuquerque.
2: I wish I, I really regret that I didn't get a chance to like. Um, get a picture of me singing a song from the big chair, uh, right? Ha
3: ha!
2: I know. I, th- I thought about that all weekend, and I never got over to it. <laughs> I never even said it out loud to you.
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's a giant, double-sized Adirondack chair. I think made out of metal, though, yeah. not redwood. Right. But, um, but still, it just looks. It's just a funny, interesting piece in the middle of this. You know they're making the best out of their flat landscape that they can. Basically, a concrete park, but they went to a lot of trouble to put in you know these really nice features everywhere, and it was very friendly and fun.
2: It was. It was great. Um, we played pack wars um, when, we, when we got there at ten because I just wanted to play in the pack wars. I like the I like free things. They're nice, um, and I forget what blew me out this time. Oh, it was the damn uh, the the Hydra? The freaking, yeah, uh, mythic rare Hydra. Because I had, I had, I had, I always get blown out in pack wars so bad. I have the best history of getting blown out in pack wars, and it's great. Like I don't even care. It's it's awesome. But like I got uh, dune blasted at one pack war. <laughs> I got uh, dread watersed out at another pack war, and then uh, in this one I get uh, my my flying wind stifled by a giant reach trampley thing that was going to kill me the
3: following turn so when, you know that guy doesn't have trample by the way i mean you know he's a oh, mythic well, hydra good lord and yeah he's got reach but oh are you kidding me
2: well reach was all he needed he, 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 cuz i just needed to win and not cuz i think i was very low on life but i had a i had a win if i could just get through the following turn but he didn't When when I
3: lost, I congratulated the victor as though he had put a lot of work in on his deck. (laughs) Well done, sir. I like what you're doing there. Yeah. Well, I really just opened this pack and added 15 land. (laughs) You're a cheater because you have to play with 30 cards. (laughs) See a judge, please. No, no, no. Anyway, fun. It was fun format for free. They gave away, obviously, uh, you know, 500 packs.
2: Right, right. Yeah, because there were a lot of people uh who did show up you said there were a bunch of different flights right you, you yeah kinda...
3: i think we, you know sort of like rough count was more like maybe only 400 or something but that's fine that's anyway that's neat that's a neat little free and they,
2: and they give away more packs too because every you win you get another pack
3: right that's right so ton of packs yeah ton of free packs to start off the day they evidently had a tremendous number of booster packs Seems like a good thing to
2: have in uh, great supply for a limited grand prix. Yeah. We played that, and then we basically bailed on the convention. Did we ever even go back to the convention center that day? I don't think we did. Yeah, we we, we grabbed some supplies, and then we uh, headed back to the hotel and holed up and played some sealed, basically all day, just various sealed pools. That we had opened and registered previously, that we just started handing out to each other and just building them up, and then going for it. And you know, build them,
3: play them, rebuild them.
2: Yep, and uh, that was that was fun. That was good practice. It really got helped me see a lot of the cards in the format, which I you know frankly hadn't even had a chance to see because I played so little of this limited format before then. So it was a good little crash course. Were there any distinct takeaways from that? I can't even remember. I'm kind of it's kind of vague.
3: Are you saying from our practice? Yeah. Well, it helped me a little because I was definitely after the pre-releases and even uh, maybe my first sealed deck after the pre-release. I really was really stuck on red green. It was right. kind of like it was so easy to see red green werewolves that I was having a problem seeing other stuff
2: that's right i remember you saying that too and and when i talked it, to other right?
3: people they said oh uh well if there's any average deck you just go to it's more like uh green white and even though even though that's you know bordering on obvious and all that even that was a revelation to me it's like oh the white cards but there's no werewolves well there don't have to be werewolves jeff there's other things you can play i have a question
2: yeah
4: uh playing sealed I've, i only played like one or two of the sealed leagues on modo, yeah for the pre uh, release which is just a great way to do it um yeah the the fact that there could be up to three rares in a pack does that make like the variance between like the power level of the different pools much higher or did you notice that at all
2: not really uh i don't i don't pay attention too much to rares you know because we've all got them that's the yeah. thing like we've all got our rares uh, we should be playing them, and we should be playing ways to deal with other rares. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I tend to I not-
3: agree that it should be it should be um, you know accounting for some difference in in the variance, but but I, I don't think it's easy to detect that.
4: Okay, but, I was just curious.
2: Yeah, I, I don't I don't read didn't really notice it. It never went I never went oh how does this deck have so many rare? It never felt suspicious to me. I never felt like a deck had a suspiciously high number of rares. So I guess if that's any help. Yeah,
4: my, my, my sample size was like two. And like the power level between the two of them was like dramatically different. But that was just because, you know, I mean, some, that just happens with pools. And I only have like a sample set, too. But it was like I noticed that some of them I had rare flip cards in. And I was like, oh, that's but like that's why I had like a deck that could play like four rares when you normally.
3: Right. And, that, it and, and yet it at. wasn't yeah, it just wasn't the perfect deck of all time. Yet you're going, yeah. oh, wow, I, I do have a good number of rares. Yeah, in, I don't the know.
2: Stack. What was the name of the place we had dinner at? Cuz we had some after after our practice, well, I guess in between cuz we went and practiced some more.
3: Um we ate at the Blue Kitchen or as they call it Cochina Azul,
2: and it was very good. Uh New Mexican food is amazing, to be honest. Um I know Jeff you weren't <laughs> you weren't
3: super into the cuz I ate a tremendous amount of Tex-Mex. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the rest of the country thinks is Mexican food, but, you know, we know it's not really Mexican food, but, um, but it's Texas Mexican food. And, um, and that's kind of what they're doing in New Mexico. As far as the, the big hits are still, you know, tacos and burritos and enchiladas, but they definitely do things very differently. And it's definitely not a scoop of yellow rice and a scoop of, uh, refried beans at the side of every single order, far from it
2: right the thing that really caught me was um just all the weird unique sides that they had they had some really cool uh
3: in between us we got them all i got their version of beans and rice but it, the rice is is closer to what you actually encounter in mexico which is nearly white rice but it's seasoned and it's not uh it's kind of sticky but it's not um it's it's not yellow and over flavored like like it is in Mexican restaurants
2: right, so the sides that I had i had the uh cal the calab-c- I had the fideos, which was the soup with like pork in it it was really weird um I don't mean that in a bad way <laughs> it was just it was just different um I can't remember what else I had. Maybe the right, but that first
3: thing you said, it was um, it was uh, kind of like a little pasta side. Yeah, yeah, it was like
2: pasta. It was very interesting. It was like pasta in like like a soup almost. It was so weird. It was a little pasta, and it was good though. And then the um, like the veggies. It was like corn mixed with. It might be the papitas. The corn mixed with like zucchini. Right, zucchini. The zucchini was like. Was like melt in your mouth, soft.
3: Really, which was really cool,
2: and the flavor on it was amazing. That might have been my favorite, and I'm not even—you saw me turn down veggies left and right all weekend, <laughs> right? And, uh, but that was probably my favorite part of the entire meal. But then the uh, the enchiladas that we had, right, were nothing. They were—you I mean, would think enchiladas, you think rolled up thing, sauce on top.
3: Hell no, this was like it was like savory pancakes. Two, yeah, two tortillas laid out flat with the enchilada in the middle, but not rolled up. Right. So and Layered so, it, one big old enchilada, essentially two tortillas. So in a way, two. You know, this would have been two enchiladas any place in Texas, but here it was one big round enchilada. Yeah,
2: it was it was really good. So with
3: ribeye meat inside.
2: Yeah, and the chips and queso. The queso came in a bowl made out of.
3: A tortilla. Of a a flour tortilla. That
2: we definitely ate. (laughs) We definitely ate the entire bowl. And
3: lots of times, you know, you'll just, you know, crush, you know, queso and chips just because, you know, they're there and just because you're hungry and you're waiting for your food. But no, these chips were delicious. They were amazing chips. And that queso was was, – had a tremendous amount of actual cheese in it. I mean, you know, not a – not a cheese food derivative that melts easy and you know and that doesn't cost as much. This was really this was a very good appetizer.
2: Very good. Some of the best chips and queso I've ever had, which is just odd. It's like never, I never thought that they'd you know do chips and queso in such a way that made me go, made me question all the previous ways I'd had it. <laughs> but, right. Exactly. You know, I was just like, wait a minute. This is so much better than what I know. What's going on?
3: Tonight, I'm going to the baseball game, and uh, because of that amazing chips and queso from New Mexico, no, I will will definitely be staying away from ballpark nachos tonight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Besides, everybody knows it's hot dog night. It's dollar dog night.
2: Ah, nice. Nice. I have not been to a dollar hot dog night in a very long time.
3: The number is five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez five in short order no doubt
4: me <laughs> and my brother ate that the what What is it the
3: rangers yeah, dog the, the boomstick you're talking about yeah the oh my god chili cheese thing Too me yet. and lawson me and lawson went crazy on it and i thought it looked like we we're gonna eat it in five minutes in fact the two of us ate half of it <laughs> <laughs> it's so
2: funny uh yeah last time i was there i had the uh the 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 meat potato you know the potato stuffed with meat All right. That you can get at, uh, I actually had one recently at uh, Sonny Bryant's. Um, good both places. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very good. But anyway, uh, this is turning into a podcast about food. Oops. Uh, but
3: anyway, the food, yeah. So, uh, awesome dinner in Albuquerque. And um, it just, you just get the feeling you just couldn't, two things, you almost can't go wrong in Albuquerque. The food is good. But yeah, let's, it's, let's, let's, it's let's... all covered in green chili sauce. Get that. Go ahead and get that through your mind ahead of time That's before true. you go there.
2: Let's get the rest of the food out of the way right now so we can talk about content for the rest of the show. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> Saturday night, we went to this place called Q Burger, and we had amazing burgers, some of the best burgers I've had. Right. Uh, my burger was um, – I forget. It was like Kobe beef, and then it came out with um, – this goat cheese that they, like, lit on fire. Right. They, like, charred it the It table. was actually, you
3: know, it was deep fried. It was like a triangle of deep fried goat cheese that then they set on fire again in order to get it melty in order just in time to slide it on top of your burger in front of you.
2: Yeah, it was so freaking good. And then, uh... The, the, the talk about the ice cream sandwiches, because...
3: Right, were- and then a judge earlier... Um, Um, It always comes in handy. Judges have so much useful information about the stack and how cards work. But uh, Brian Spellman from uh, Colorado also – Walked over and showed me a photo of, he says, dude, you got to go to Q Burger. It's right down here. You got to do this. You got to do it. You have to go. And then he said, uh, here's a picture. Um, he showed me a chocolate milkshake that had, yeah, it had red chilies on top of it. Oh my God. Uh, so that you could have that Aztec experience and also fulfill the legal obligation of serving red and green chilies at every single restaurant in Albany. <laughs> and then he showed me the um, ice cream sandwich sliders. Oh, man. Three ice cream sandwich. Sandwiches made out of fresh cookies and um and a very, very nice not just restaurant copy ice cream um between each one. So you had so three ice cream sandwiches. Each one has a different ice cream, and each one has a pair of cookies that are a different flavor than each of the other sandwiches. And and it's six fifty and it's too much dessert for one person to eat. How can that be six fifty? That seemed like
2: like $12 worth of dessert per plate. Right. E- easy. I'm, I'm just blown away by that.
3: So we weren't total pigs. We didn't each get a whole plate of them. But I almost did. Three of us together, Joe, myself, and Brian Spellman, who liked it so much from lunch that he really did come back yeah. and eat dinner with us. And we, uh, we each eat two sandwiches. We killed two orders of those between us. Yeah. And they, they were fantastic.
2: Yeah, no regrets. And then Sunday morning – we hit, um, we, so Saturday morning we, we hit the buffet at the hotel, which was a huge mistake because little did we know that the entire hotel was full of geeks who also had to be at the grand prix site at 9 a.m so around 8 a.m every single one of them were downstairs trying to hit the buffet too so we had to like fight for silverware (laughs) i gave up on trying to get a drink to get a glass for a drink at some point and um and they had given up being servers they were just hurting people
3: which we walked in the sign says please wait to be seated and the lady shrugged and said look just just try to find a place to sit down and get your own food
2: right so that was yeah so you know that's like one of the few times in my life that i didn't tip because there was no there's nothing to tip for we were not right served anything
3: in any way
2: in any way so you know and, and no complaints about that totally get the the dilemma they were in but you know you got to react accordingly, but right. uh, so not wanting to repeat that experience on Sunday morning, we
3: went to this place called Wex, which was just a little ways up the road. Yeah, and it's like a Albuquerque chain. I don't know if it's in other places. I think it's a New Mexico chain. I don't yeah, think it's- but I've never heard of it. <laughs> right. Um, just basically like
2: an old style. You know, a facsimile a, a of a of a fifties
3: diner kind of thing, um, like you've seen, you know, other times in your life. Yeah. But wow, they they really this was even, and it's in a nondescript. It you know, it look just looks like a Denny's or something, but it was special. The food was really special.
2: It really was. Um, and my my food was like it was like a stack of hash browns and 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 uh, the um. What what was the name of the pork that was
1: throughout? I don't know.
3: Are, is, it, is that carnitas? I don't know. Uh, the
2: carne... carne a, oh, right. Exactly. A, adovada. Ava. Ava. Adovada.
3: Adovada. You got it.
2: Yeah, the carne adovada, which is like this pork. It's like uh, marinated pork. Uh, it's kind of in everything. Um, yeah, very good. That popular. and eggs. And, oh, it's just freaking good. And 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 the price was right, you know. It was just, uh,
3: but could you have gotten if um, you if you'd, you'd won it? Could you have had red or green chilies at this? I place? had red or green chili on yeah. it. I had both. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Yes, it was just, inescapable. I had a single pancake and bacon and a side of raisin toast, and and they were wonderful. Seriously,
2: yeah. They had um they had red and they had green chili for sale by the jar and at that point I was like, No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had enough. I'm good. I'm done. So uh yeah.
3: But uh, it was great. It's a win. Anytime you can just stay out of McDonald's for a whole weekend. Yes that's a, that's a solid win. You didn't have to uh have uh pizza airdropped to the hotel or anything.
2: Yes. And then um then the last thing that we had before our endless Greyhound trip back we had what was a place called?
3: No, I can't quite pull up the name in my brain. But a uh, Brazilian steakhouse. It was
2: Tejas, de, Texas de Brazil, Light. in New Mexico. So New something Mexican like Spanish. that. Okay.
3: But uh, I would say you know that it was um, um, not as fine an establishment as many Brazilian steakhouses. However, it had a, it had kind of a little bit more of a family feel. Um, it was not low rent. It was you know twenty three dollars at night, but that is significantly cheaper than the nighttime prices at Fogo de Chao, Texas de Brazil, um, Rodigo, uh, or whatever it's called, uh, Rodizio, the one from the, another chain.
0: Why is Rhodesia called Rhodesia?
3: But it was it was good. It was definitely good. Yeah. Tremendous um, tremendous uh, supply of different kinds of meats were drug over to our table and we ate a lot of it
2: absolutely we sure did it was very good i had a great time uh so now we've got all the food out of the way all the food is out of the way now just, just get it over with just, 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 we we're, just, were going down that path let's just keep barreling down the path let's get that out of the way the rest of the show will all be magic content all right so um saturday morning uh we played in the main event of GP Albuquerque which was Shadows Over Innistrad Sealed because this was my last Grand Prix event I, I wanted to register my pool. I wanted to do the full thing, so I did not pay for the sleep-in special. Uh, I did have to stop Jeff on his way to checking the pairings and remind him that we had buys. Right. <laughs> I was like, we have a buy. Don't check it. We're good. I checked our. But I,
3: but I was going to say, for the exact same reason, I didn't take the sleep-in special either. Uh, I like it better. T- yeah, I like opening my own boosters.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's just fun to be a part of the process. So uh did all that, and the deck I wound up on... Uh, so, I had some pretty good white cards. Um, I had enough to consider a light to heavy splash because I did have um, both the red white and the black white tap land. So, I, I, my splash was fairly easy if I wanted it, but some of the things I wanted to splash were kind of matchup specific, like uh, uh, I think a pair of puncturing lights. Um, Expose Evil. Um Shard of Broken Glass was just a miss build. I should have had that in my main deck, but um considering that I had several really good uh delirium cards in my deck. Um and another card that was in my sideboard that probably should have been in my main deck because it wound up being very good for me throughout the day was Hound of the Farbogs. Hmm. Uh super, super good card uh late in the game. Just a good just a good finisher. Um because it really does put a lot of pressure. If if you're if you're mounting, you know, a win. If you're coming up for for a win, um, having to deal with that on top of everything else you've dealt with. When you're just trying to like keep parity to not lose, that thing just screws up that plan big time. Because it's like I played two creatures, essentially. You know, like yeah, you know. So it, it really does help you win that that race. Um, but I wound up going with a red black deck, um, anchored by a foil Olivia mobilized for war, which was pretty sweet. Uh, there was also a, from under the floor boards in my deck. Um, and I don't remember if there were any other rares cause I already took them out and sold them, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I know those two were, were significant, um, Unfortunately, I didn't realize that you could gain life off of from under the floorboards for like the first three rounds. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I had somebody play it against me and they put their, they gained three life. I was like, oh, you gained life off that card? Sweet. (laughs) So, yeah, so that was kind of bad. And I can't remember if it cost me a win or not, but I don't think it did. Um, (laughs) Very bad. Uh, But I had um, my problem with my deck. Was that I had a lot of pseudo-removal, what I call pseudo-removal, and not a lot of really good removals. There was no Murderous Compulsion. Um, there was no Fiery Temper. There was no Lightning Axe. Um, what I did have uh, were Tooth Collector, which is, you know, pseudo-removal. Uh, I had a pair of Voldaren Duelists, which are pseudo-removal to get damage in, and um, had kindly stranger, which is definitely removal, but you got to flip it first. Um, I had dance with devils, which I thought was pseudo removal, and it turns out it's not true. Hmm. Um, had a pair of dead weights, which I thought were pseudo removal, but turns out they're actual removal. And um, and that's basically it for my removal. And the rest of it was just red, black, um, unchecked aggression. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand here, dude. Across this line, you do not. Um, <laughs> And, uh, so I mean, I had like an incorrigible youths, a pale rider of Trostad, uh, uh, ghoul callers accomplished gibbering fiend, um, Kessig forge master, Gastev arsonists were a nice little bomb, uh, ghoul steed, a cursed witch, uh, crow of dark tidings. Um, and, uh, that's pretty much all the creatures on it, other than the pair of Voldaren duelists and the kindly stranger that I had mentioned. Um, so it wasn't a lot of creatures, but. I don't know. The, the deck the deck did okay. So the deck was it was interesting because I either won really fast or lost really fast every single round. So um a lot of my I almost I don't know, maybe my first 5 6 rounds were all 2-0 either for me or for my opponent. Um some matches I remember like my first loss of the day I was I wasn't tilted but I was angry with my opponent because they took so long to blow me out like I had no chance of beating this deck and they took them 40 minutes to win two games and like and like he was like good games so I was like yeah play faster next time <laughs> I just straight up was just like play faster. <laughs> I was like I was like yeah play faster next time cuz he kept going like uh Moved. Uh, he's like he. I forget what he kept saying. He kept saying something like, um, can, uh, "Can I move to attacks?" And I go, "Please." I was like, "Will you please <laughs> move to attacks?" He's and at one point he goes, he he gets to a board state and the board state was not that complicated. He goes, "I'm going to need to take a minute." And I went, "I know."
3: <laughs> no, it's another worse so than when you're getting blown out and the but the person's still timid as hell.
2: Yeah, they just couldn't. They just couldn't win,
3: and you you part of you just goes, you know what? Uh, let me show you how you're going to beat me. You do this, you do this, you do this. But a bing, but a boom, I'm out of here. But you don't want to, you don't want to do that. It's like, no, let him learn how to do it himself. Yeah, if
2: they're not if they're not smart enough to know how to beat you, maybe they're not smart enough. Maybe they'll
3: screw up. Maybe yeah. Uh, I've had yeah,
4: something. I've had several matches like that where I'm like, I should just concede. I mean, they have the win. They're taking forever. This is stupid. I'm hungry, and then like they'll just like make a terrible attack or something. Yeah. yeah and you'll get down to two and then eventually win it where it's just so like,
3: you know you just know on principle you just oh, I can't I shouldn't just scoop, but wow, they've got me <laughs> yeah right. yeah um so
2: anyway so throughout the day, um, I wound up boarding out because I kept dealing with a lot of three toughness things which we knew about that was not a surprise going in. But I wound up bo- boarding out, like, the Ghoul Caller's Accomplice, the Gibbering Fiend, um, several other things. I even uh, controversially uh, boarded out the uh, from under the floorboards once or twice.
4: Whoa. Yep.
2: Um, because those tokens weren't getting through... I wasn't ever casting it for more th- – even when I madnessed it out, it was only for three. It was never for more value than the madness
3: cost. Right. That's why Right. That's why I think definitely with that card, be happy you're getting three zombies for five mana.
2: Right, right. But that's the thing is like I um, – Don't wait. Yeah. I, I tried to wait sometimes, but it, it was almost always into a board of X3s or X4s, and it just wasn't impacting the board the way it should. So there were some matchups where I took it out, but I took it out in favor of things like Puncturing Light, um, the Hound that I was telling you about that actually gets through those things, um, Parapuncturing Lights, Expose Evil, um, the uh, Cathar, whatever it is, Dauntless Cathar. Um, there, there were just several things that I had in my sideboard that could come in that would do a better job of, of getting through and and. Fu- and Beating them. So anyway, without getting too much into the details of the games, I ended the day five and four, which is unfortunate. Um, I was sitting at X two after seven rounds. that was five and two, and I really just wanted to get in on, you know, on on the real.
3: 7 and x2 day 2 you weren't you weren't thrilled about the prospects to no. put it honestly uh, you weren't of of being um for of being um x3
2: i was uh i needed to be convinced by jeff that i if i even made day 2 at x3 to actually go play <laughs> cuz i was like i don't even want to do it it's not worth it and uh, but i was convinced to do it if i made day 2 so i lost my round 8 And then round nine, um, we just had, it wasn't really neither one of our faults, I would say. We had a really long, drawn-out match that um, there was just a lot of board stall. There was a lot of stuff clogging up. There were just both two really grindy games um, that my opponent won game two. I won game one. My opponent won game two with like 30 seconds left in the round. Mm. So we're going to game three, and we're both x and three, and I think you know where this goes. So I'm like, we do not have time for a game three, man, you know, blah blah blah, And uh, we go to time and I say, "Listen, you know, this is my last Grand Prix. I would really love to end my last Grand Prix on a you know on a, on a day two, uh, et cetera, et etc, greyhound, et cetera, et etc. Just you know, making my case. Sure. You know what I mean? And uh, and he was like, yeah, well, he, he thought about it, and he was just agonizing, and he goes, I'm sorry, man, I just can't do it. You know, can't scoop to you. So, earlier, at the beginning of the thing, he was ta- I was talking to him at the beginning of the round, and he was saying how he had never day twoed a Grand Prix before, and, um, you know, he was on the cusp. This was the first Grand Prix that he ever had a chance to day two at. And uh, so... He says, "I can't do it." And I said, "All right, man." I grab the slip. I start filling it out. I fill it out two one for him. I go, "Good luck at your last at your uh, on your first day too." You know, so I gave him the win because to me, and honestly, like, what a crappy way to end your uh, Grand Prix career than just like just totally like scum someone out of it. it's not it's scumming. I, he didn't do it for me. I had every right to not do it for him, but.
4: The spike draw.
2: (laughs) What a a bad way to end things. And I really feel like, you know, with this being my last Grand Prix, I feel like his first day two is far more significant and important than my last day two. So you
4: had to be convinced to play in.
2: So I had to. uh, Yeah, right. 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 Exactly. (laughs) That I was already like not wanting to do because uh, of what I knew was coming the following day.
4: The circle of life.
2: Scooping him in was the right way. To, was the right thing to do, um, even even with even if he was a jerk about uh, not scooping me in because he wasn't. He really did think hard about it. The pained look on his face was obvious, uh, but he just you know he's like I've I came from a long way too. You know, there's not much there that's really you know convincing me why you should have the win and not me. You know, but then when I thought about it, there was stuff that convinced me why he should have the win, you know, and I was just like, okay, you know what? It's an experience. Who knows if he like gets to go to a lot of these and, and, you know, so I'd rather end my career on goodwill rather than... So,
3: yeah, you gave him a chance to be a great guy. And then, um, in absence of that, you were willing to be a great guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And what you didn't do is let Cascade Games, and I'm not in you know, a... Not- I'm not accusing Cascade Games of anything, but the two of you didn't let Cascade Games keep multiple sets of uh, stamped draft cards. You, In other words, at least one of you was going to get to use them.
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> you, so, you
3: could draw, and one less person would be in day two.
2: Right, right. and I had no motivation for that. Um, but anyway, I don't regret it. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I'm glad that I got to play in the event, the event was a lot of fun, um, and it was just a good time all around. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your uh, sealed experience, which I know is a little uh, less... A little more bittersweet. Yeah.
3: Uh, <clears throat> I was so excited about this event, and I wanted to really study hard and, and touch a lot of cards and I feel like, you know, uh, you and me, we got a certain amount of practice in ahead of time that was definitely very good. And I got a certain amount of practice with other people. But um, it just chalk it up to, I just have to chalk it up to, you never get enough. There's no such thing as practicing enough. And um, we, I, I got what I wanted. I got a Grand Prix sealed deck in a format that was only two weeks old. Yeah, and so that's that's a, a wonderful thing. But um, I got my pool, and the, the dude that registers it for me, he passes it back to me, and he says, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, it's not you know any better. I, I don't I don't know what you're going to do with that." And like, hey, I can probably do things. Um, well, I fell into I fell into red green pretty easily. And I am. I'm. Uh, I am seeking help for my problem. <laughs> where I kind of went to the easy road, but um, but it's also where the rares were. Um, the the w- white had some um, had some very good cards, but not creatures. But had a few just interesting spells that I wanted. So um, so I end up splashing this uh, this thing. Um, I'm red-green with three white cards. Different people that I showed the deck to throughout the day, they agreed with the first two splashes, uh, Tenacity, which is just a game winner. Give your guys plus one, plus one, and Lifelink, and untap them at instant speed. And they agreed with the control card uh, bound by Moonsilver, the awesome uncommon enchantment the uncommon that plays like a rare yeah no 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 one that i showed it to liked the cravenly and uh, totally defensive minded silver strike one wide and three to kill an attacking creature i don't mind that but and i would i would have left silver strike out silver strike wouldn't have made it in a lot of draft decks but i did think that um and my, my experience with sealed has been that it's really grindy that even when even when in the early part of the game you see that you have a you have a real advantage in either cards or play skill over your opponent in this format, I still see those matches go three games, and the, the you know the best cards and the best player do still usually win. But it seems like it doesn't come easy in this format. And again, maybe it's because I'm playing a lot of uh, red green, but um, or playing a lot of green cards for sure. Green and red, green and white. Uh, so I haven't had the experience that you had, where you where either you blew them out, they blew you out. I just uh, the pre release every match, uh, both pre releases I was in every match went to three games. Most sealed most sealed games for me in this format have gone three games, um, and I just thought that they're going to land that big creature at some point or another, and, and I'll need Silver Strike no better than it is. But other than that, the deck was uh, pretty aggro. I play a dual shot main. I don't feel I don't feel real bad about that. Uh, I think people play one toughnesses later. Uh, Will Craddock, I showed him in my deck. Uh, we're friends. The this the big guy from Oklahoma City uh, who came in second in the Grand Prix. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, he he Will. told me it should the dual shot should have been out and the the little green spell that gives plus one plus one to a creature. Actually, it. Uh, makes a clue and then gives a target creature a plus one plus one for the number of clues you have in play that smells good I like that yeah it's really and good of course it's even better if you somehow are playing you know something with a bunch of clues that could be laying around like uh, the somewhat unlikely blue green deck but um, but even if it's just the one clue you just put into play that's normally fine and I, I I gotta say I agree with them that the dual shot bring that bring dual shot in as soon as you see a bunch of one toughnesses, but are uh, clear your way through a cloud of uh, spirit tokens, but uh, maybe not full time. And a Vessel of Nascency helped me um, helped me get Delirium, which was important because I was playing two copies of Moldgrass Scavenger because he's just a good purchase at one green and one. Mm-hmm. And Gibbering Fiend is a is a bear that deals damage and might deal repeatable damage if you get to Delirium. So I'm definitely going to go for Delirium with this deck. Um, that's why a couple of, a um, couple of three drops, my deck, uh, my deck stopped at four. I purposefully left out and it might've been wrong. I per- purposefully left out red and four uh, for the five, four that turns into the six, five minutes. Hmm. Um, that's, that's pretty good for a common in this format. It's a good creature. And I am playing again. I am playing um, um, werewolves. I didn't have a strong, uh, I didn't have a strong werewolf synergy where I required, I wasn't playing cards that required me to have as many werewolves as possible. And I wanted to be fast. So I left, I didn't have a five drop in my deck instead, you know, a couple of kind of not so great, uh, three drops got of my deck, but they helped me get, um, I played a pair of wicker witches in order to, um, in order to be, um, to always have something on the board on turn three, and to put an artifact in the graveyard when they die. Right, right. Which is uh, along with the wildfield scarecrow to help me get the white for um uh, for the three white spells. And um, I didn't I didn't have much help in order to draw white. I played two uh, forests and um and and then either vessel of nascency would find planes or the Wildfield Scarecrow would eventually. I didn't ever consider it to be important to be able to play any of the white spells early. Right. And right. It was, and then uh, three drop rares sent with Sin Proder and Gyre Reach Bandit, and they're both you know kind of aggressive minded cards. Sin Proder has a little bit of, uh, of evasion with menace, but you're definitely not going to attack with that guy if there's a risk of him dying. So as soon as they have two untapped creatures, you're not sending them in because you can get free cards from this guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, right. um, but you want to be on an aggressive tip. Your your opponent's only afraid to let you put... Um, they're only afraid to um, keep you from drawing a free card and take a little extra damage if they're low on life. So you've got to push damage through. I'm doing that with a pair of Halpak Wolves. Wolf's that I never feel bad about. 3-3 uh, three for, three, three for 3, can't block unless you've got another wolf. Well, in red-green, you have other wolves. True. But 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 if you don't, on turn 3, for example, okay, you, you, I still think there's you can be aggressive with it and you can feel okay about a 3-3 three, three that can't block sometimes. It's not like he just flat out, you know, can't ever block. Quilled wolf, one rabid bite, um, with very good removal for green. And then, uh, and then the high-end cards of Valdaren uh, Duelist to keep one thing from blocking me. Um, the very good pack guardian that you can flash in, throw a land away. And it was easy for me to throw a land away because my deck stops at four. Right. And That's then uh, Dead Bridge Patrol, another way to possibly get a clue. Um, but, um, those aren't, that's not a super powerful lineup. (laughs) I played, um, I had a buy and then in round two immediately play a extremely good limited player from Texas. He used to be better. He used to be very sold out and, and was grinding for the pro tour all the time, but he's always been a limited specialist named Aaron Toby. I thought he lived in Houston or maybe it was Austin, but he eventually came to live in Dallas and we see him. Um, somewhat regularly on Tuesday nights at the Guild mage meetings, and um, and he still can tear it up. He didn't get any didn't get any land in game one, and I crushed him. And then he came back and beat me roundly in games two and three. He was red black, and he had Olivia. Then uh, I lose the next one. Um, you don't. It's not. It's not fun being uh, one and two, and your only win was a buy. Yeah. And then I win to even it up then lose one it's just that's just the gross day you know now I'm two yeah. and, three. and then win one back three and three and then you and in round seven get paired with a um, player from Oklahoma City that um this shouldn't be an insult okay people shouldn't be insulted when they say if they hear hey when I was paired against you that time I thought I might be a favorite just because I think that you know like just our record maybe our records lifetime my impression of you know, I just I felt a little bit like a favorite. Not that it was not that it was a you know, not that it was a giant edge, but I just thought, oh, I think I got a little bit of an edge. Um, and she she's playing uh, um, oh, she, she's playing black and blue, which I consider uh, kind of uh, harder to play. And I feel like the blue um, the blue in this set lets me down a lot of times. I feel like it does creature wise. Yeah. No, she knew what she was doing. This was an expert level zombie. Uh, deck with good spells Ooh. and um and she she crushed me it took three games and it was you know good it was a very good match but nonetheless i was three and four and out yeah i, I got to uh, see some of
2: that match too and yeah that was that was a tough one for you that was a really right. tough uh tough matchup.
3: but it was it was so interesting how uh you know it's just that thing where when you lose but when the when the gameplay is impressive you still you go all ah, right that was Pretty. This would have been an entertaining match to watch. It's too bad I had to be the person in it that got beat. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. The, the way that she um, uh, kept me from being able to kill, you know, rat, you know, just it, she's killing me with rattle chains. Just a two-one up in the air. Yeah. But then being able to drop in spirits at at a fl- at instant speed was oh, a yeah. problem. Yeah. And then. Um, and then just moving blockers all the way, just that you know that pseudo removal blue way, tapping a guy down for a turn here, tapping another guy down there, that, you know, having various ways to keep a creature from untapping just one time.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah. impressive. Yeah, that was brutal because like I, I see you, I forget what the hell you stuck some creature, and I was like, okay, he's back in it. And then it was just like the zombie that taps, that taps down a creature. I was like, oh no,
3: But no. <laughs> okay, uh, the rest of the pool. If I play more white, and that was one version. I, you know, I'm trying hard. I sleeved up, I sleeved up the uh, the change uh, the changes necessary to go from this deck in game one that I played all most of the day into a um, green white deck. And the green white deck has um, has uh, uh, the white flip guy uh, Avicinian missionaries yes. that can. That can uh, re- exile a creature. Yeah, when he's equipped, I have one equipment, discard a card to equip for plus two, plus two. Not excited. Yeah, no. Not you a- know, like, what if uh, what if I just had the extremely humble plus one, plus zero, broken mirror equipment? It would have made my red-green deck go, go, go.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, on, on the other side of that coin, I had a Missionaries, and I had four equipments in my
3: pool. Yeah.
2: Four of which are playable, arguably. Neglected Heirloom, two Truth Faith sensor, and a Shard of Broken Glass, which really does make me feel like I could have gone into... That's a lot of equipment to put in your deck. It's just one of those things where it's like, well, where do you draw the line? It's like, yeah, okay, you have all this equipment.
3: I don't know. Um, All right, and I I, just want to say one last thing about the pool is that the... the, um, the last the the, um if you played white you got you got some rares you got um you got a you got a um hard-working rare bygone bishop that's a flyer and that gets you clues when you play threes and twos and ones which uh in creatures which um you know you're gonna have in your deck so that's that's a good card but is it a is it a game winner? No. Okay. Well, there's Drog Skull Cavalry to the rescue. It costs seven. Seven. Ugh. And then, and then one last version that I tried late in the day was black and white to get me my access to my uh, card that would have been extremely powerful, I'm sure, ten years ago in sealed Markov Dread Knight three three flyer that you can discard a card for three mana and put two counters on him. Um, I tried him on uh, in Sunday in our limited tournament, yeah. and and it wasn't great there either. Um, it was just hard work. Yeah, and, and I I like that's why I like to say that I'm really thrilled with this format. It's it's strong. It's a strong format because it's hard. You yeah. gotta you gotta work really hard. To um, you know, put these creatures and spells together. You you can't just um, you can't just find sixteen creatures and try to find some removal spells and and just go to town. It's harder work than that. You gotta you really think about all the different things. You got to think about delirium with basically every deck tempts you into uh, delirium mm-hmm. and. Nice. Uh, and so even though I thought when I first saw the set and the, the weekend of the pre-release, I thought it was so much less synergistic than the block we just got out of. But I've got huge respect for it, a new respect for it now. It's uh, harder than it looks, and um, and my, my deck sucks, I don't have a good pool at all. Well, maybe. I think, I think though, that uh, I bet you that more pools, more random six-packs being open card pools are capable of... Of you know of um, going X and three at a grand prix, for example, than than not. You know, I'm I'm. Uh, well, of course, the bombs are out there, and having some would be good for you. But um, but I really think these decks really do come together from from an understanding of of these uh, commons and uncommons uh, in in a way that makes um, this, I think this format is more fair than a lot of sealed formats in the last several years. And part of that might be the grindy nature that, that I saw where a lot of games do go to a matches, go to a third game. I think that's more fair. I don't know that it, uh, um, you know, it's still, it's still, um, it's still defined by, some powerful rares to be sure, and the variance of what it is you open. But um, this, I think, there's less to cry about in this format. About you know, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a pool that can't do anything. Well, I don't feel that great about my pool from the Grand Prix, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else could. And I'm looking forward to getting some help from my friends to see if to see if there was a pony under here after all that that could have been a, a really good deck. Right. Right.
2: And I agree with you. I think that the, the format has a lot. Like I think that like the pools all have a lot of different directions you can go in. Um, I think that's helped by the fact that there's going to be a minimum of six flip cards, you know, and a lot right. of them are a lot, And I think that a lot of because a lot of them are red and green is the reason why red and green is always so enticing. Um, but there's there's like a number of different things that can go right. There's way more opportunities for your pool to go right than there are for it to go wrong. Because you open, like, three rare lands in your sealed pool, and all of a sudden you're not feeling good. But when you open two rare lands in your sealed pool, but then you also open two rare flip cards, it totally balances that out. And, and totally makes your pool reasonable, and even gives you some good mana. You know? So it's actually like one of the few formats where I feel like opening the rare lands isn't a death knell you know, like where a right. lot of people feel like it is, or at least I've never really felt like it was because I'm don't always like gravitate towards the rares anyway, but like, and a lot of people feel bad about that. And I think that it takes that feel bad away when you have the opportunity to actually open more than six rares. Um, you can afford to have one or two of them be lands and you can definitely afford to have one of them be Westvale Abbey because whoo boy. That's well, how
3: do are. you, but how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I'm just catching on to Westvale Abbey that how good it is, just the fact that you're making a chump guy with it, not the ultimate use of it, but just the making a 1-1 is uh, pretty useful, can can definitely uh, buy you some time across a couple of turns where what you drew was a land, but you wanted something else. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely. I think it's really good. Um, yeah, if you can get there, if you can flip it, man, unreal. But, uh, and I think that was one of my matches came down to like keeping my opponent from flipping his Westvale Abbey. And eventually he did and won. Um, and I still I still was able to buy like one or two turns, but not enough. Because he gained so much life off of it. Now's the other thing. Tenacity also blew me out one game where I could have probably won. I think that was uh, either a match I lost or that might have actually been the last round where I would have won probably if he didn't flip Tenacity, gain like 14 life. You know, and then grind out the win from there from that position. So, pretty rough, but yeah. So that that was a couple really interesting uh, experiences that we had in the format. And um, you know, I'm almost. You know, I'm almost uh, sad that I'm not going to get a chance to play this limited format much more because it was fun. Now I do have the option of always playing it online. You know, I could do that if I wanted to. Right Um, on the DL, or not even on the DL. It's not even on the DL. You know, I mean, I have I have Moto, and it's not going anywhere. You know, exactly. And
3: And you have certain windows of time.
2: Yeah. So you know, but it's um, but I'm glad. I'm glad, though. At the same time, I'm glad that. My uh, my Grand Prix career ended with such a positive experience. You know what I mean? Like it was just such a fun format, win or lose. It was a really good time, and uh, and it was awesome. And we haven't even talked about the best part of the entire weekend yet. Exactly, um, which was Sunday, and I was. I was I even said I'm like I'm like I'm gonna throw this like the like the Chicago Black Sox. I'm gonna throw this last round, and we can just play in our side event tomorrow. And uh, Sunday, Sunday we played in full box sealed. I know I've been harping about this for a while. It was incredible. I've been talking about it and tempted to play it. The um, the entry fee was a bit scary. Cause it was like 120 bucks, but. Um, Afterwards, I was able to sell enough cards to balance that completely out, and that's, that was the hope going into <laughs> it was that I would be able to just you know, sell that and my sealed pool from the Grand Prix and just be able to come out even, which is exactly what I did.
3: But it wouldn't uh, have worked if you hadn't won some prizes, right? Well, that's true.
2: That's true. Uh, definitely won a little bit of prizes. So full box sealed, Jeff, I know you're itching to talk about this. I know you've got, like, you've got like two articles planned on this, right?
3: More or less. I, I'm working on the tournament report from the weekend because there, er, the um, people out there may not have heard enough about the green chilies yet but and the bus <laughs> ride. But uh, it's going to definitely be a travelogue. But I hope – I hope, um, I don't know. I hope it will still be fun enough to read. But the, but then the article I'm raring to get to is full box sealed, and I've been checking out how uh, they, they played this at a, a PAX convention recently. Mm-hmm. and um and it's been you know it's just been the uh hot topic and and it, what's amazing is this is this is the the most amazing thing about full box sealed which again the which again the uh um at the risk of sounding obvious is you open an entire box to play sealed deck <laughs> um 36 packs you can't Say you didn 't get any good cards, you know right uh, but what 's hilarious is is that sealed deck players love this because it removes some of the variants from sealed deck inherent in sealed deck and lets you build insanely good uh, forty card decks. Uh, constructed players love this format because they think it you uh, know I guess in the same way they 're making the same argument. It alleviates what they don 't like about sealed deck and gives them something more like a miniature constructed format that play that 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 they that they feel constructed players that have played this say that they compare this to block constructed um or even kind of the olden days of magic when you and your buddy are playing you're playing constructed format but how many cards do you have you each have about a box's worth of cards in your entire collection so it turns this limited format into kind of a constructed format and it's it is it's it's as fun as advertised and when and they played one at Grand Prix Albuquerque on Friday on Saturday and then again on Sunday a hundred and twenty dollars and yet the prizes that went along with it was it was apparently the standard schedule based on record that their other side events were using, which means it was just very good value
2: yeah the the tournament like the I feel like the prize payout for Albuquerque was more generous than any I've ever seen before. Like, because th- me and Jeff, long story short, uh, we'll still talk a little bit about the format itself. But we both wound up going 3-1-1, one, and one, which was good for 19 packs each.
3: twenty eight he- with, tw- with 28 players... We um we get draws in the last round because we get paired against each other.
2: Very nice. It was very brilliant. Um, now, you imagine most of the people you would play in the last round at 3-1 would just take the draw anyway. But we were very lucky to have each other because we just knew we were going to take the draw before the round even started. So um, so that worked out really well. Um, now, yeah, so just to talk about the decks real quick um, – I built, and a lot of people were building two and three decks. Not me. I got stuck because it was just so hard to just decide on a deck. You would cut down. You would go, okay, I've got all the good cards for this deck here. Now, how many cuts do I need to make? I need to make 30 cuts. Oh, <laughs> crap. You know, and then I was like, okay, I think I figured it out. How many cuts? To- 20 cuts. What is going on? So eventually, because I'm sitting there staring at green-white, because I've got Sigarda, and I've got Avison and I've got... You know, and I'm just like, okay, well, let's just throw down all my green and white rares. Where are my rares? I was like, just threw out all my rares. I'm like, what are my rares? So I threw down my rares and started at that. Um, had Archangel Avison, Sigarda, um, the uh, Always Watching. I had, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, damn, can't think. I had a couple of things I didn't use, like the uh, the werewolf that has... Power toughness equal to number of cards in your hand. I don't know why I didn't use it. I had handwear, Militia Captain. Um, I'm just going through the deck right now, trying to figure it out. So anyway, so I started with that base of like of just rares, and I was like, okay, what do I what do I want to go from here? So I just started filling in the pieces and wound up with oh, I had a Declaration in Stone. I had an Odric. So there we go. So that was like the base of my deck. So I was like, okay, let's get some flying things in there. Uh, let's get the pieces of removal in. Um, and uh, just kind of went with like, and, and, and all and all the two drops. Because I wanted to just be very aggressive out of the gate. Um, I wanted to play my two drop werewolves. So I had like three Hinterland loggers and one of the Duskwatch recruiter. Um, as well as the human that gives double strike for four mana, um, a pair of Thraben Inspectors, which, for the record, there were more copies of Thraben Inspector in the top eight of the Invitational this weekend than there were of Collected Company. Not that I think that Collected Company shouldn't be banned (laughs) when Eldrick's Moon comes out, because I do think it should be, Um, but it's my last call for a card to be banned. I had to get it in there. Um... But it's just interesting that a card that seemed like a throwaway common in Limited has been just showed up more, just more copies than the Boogeyman, which is just really funny. But anyway, uh, so I wound up with a 40-card deck, green-white. I took my round one, and then my opponent, game two, sides into mono-red aggro. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, Jesus. Um, And I forget, I think I wound up beating them anyway. I think it was just off the back of an Avison So they was able to stabilize, drop Avisen, and they spent five turns not drawing an answer for it. And just kind of went eh, 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 five times and they lost. Um, the next round, I lose to a guy who starts out as a, I think he had like a black-red vampire. It was kind of a black-red kind of grindy sort of control Vampires deck. Um, and I'm playing my green-white deck. And then game two, he goes into mono-red. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So mono-red... Um And then uh, I think I managed to squeak out a win or something. I don't remember where. No, I I won game one. And then he went into the mono red and won game two. So then I went into... I tried to throw together a black red vampires deck really fast. I didn't wind up having it nailed. So I didn't quite get it together and he won game three. Uh, Then round three, I play against a guy. Mono red! Right out the game. I'm like, "What what the hell is going on here? So... Uh, at that point, I had had my black red vampires deck sleeved up, so um, I had the black red vampires. And but I, what I went up doing instead of just siding right into it was I went into more of a controlling uh, green white deck. I took all the two drops out that sucked against all the two drops in their deck. Um and brought in a bunch of removal spells like three puncturing lights. I brought in a silver strike just because it's more removal. Um I I might have even brought in like one or two expose evil just to slow them down enough for me to like get caught up. Um and I wound up winning that game, and then I see him switch so he was playing an unsleeved deck, and then all of a sudden I look across the table and he's got sleeves in his hand, and I just went, right. I put my deck away and I pulled out my sleeve, my other deck. I pulled out the black red vampires and went for it. And I wound up winning that round. Um and I was like, cool, you know, the Black Red Vampires deck was pretty good. Maybe I'll start the next round with that deck. Um so, round four, Jeff and I both get seated and we both don't have opponents. <laughs> And we're like, what's going on? Why do we both not have opponents? So we're looking at each other going, Uh what? Okay. Like and it was the side events. They were kinda loose on the on the free win, but eventually they gave us both the free win, which Jeff found out was because these two guys were playing in the main in this event, but then they really wanted to play in a side event.
3: The last um, side event of the day, the so called extravaganza booster draft.
2: Right. So, they wanted to play in that. So, they just, and the round had already been posted. So, they didn't drop, but they went and joined the last event. So, we both got free wins because our opponents didn't show up. And then we got paired against each other. So, it really felt like we won a lot for little effort. We, we could, really
3: went 2 1. It was like we played a Swiss booster draft online and were awarded 19 boosters as our prize.
2: Yeah. So, it wound up being cool. Um, Jeff and I did wind up playing our match out um, at the Greyhound station uh, in Amarillo, where we eventually did get stranded for eight hours, just not on the trip we thought we were going to get stranded on. But Uh, we had magic
3: cards, so we played magic.
2: Yeah, so um, (laughs) that was a disaster. It's not – I don't think – I don't feel like it's anyone – after hearing the whole story, I don't really feel like it's any one person's fault – Um, that we got stranded. Like, our bus just never had a driver for the trip home, so we got stuck there until the next bus, which did have a driver. And even then, they were having trouble finding a driver. It was really weird, but apparently, like, they're closing down a lot of the smaller Greyhound stations, so, like, there is, like, a lack of just people, and there's a lot of confusion just across the board because they don't really know what their fate is, So it's kind of strange.
3: Well, I did a little more checking and found out that uh, we may have seen a little bit of blue flu, uh, only instead of cops not reporting for work, it was bus drivers, because the bus drivers are unhappy. I don't think they're unionized, but they're they're unhappy that the new system is going to require them to uh take some take more of the abuse frankly from riders who have a problem with their ticket or something because they're going to have to they're going to have to handle their ticketing online in a lot of cases in these smaller towns that are losing their station um we we literally in a tiny town called Childress Texas uh on en route uh to Amarillo late in the dead hours of uh Thursday night Friday morning The bus exited just to see if there were travelers to pick up, circles the bus stop, which has been closed for hours, the little tiny bus stop with no lights on. But they still go to, they can't, even though they could radio, if it had been open, they could radio the place and find out if there's people waiting. But it's a closed bus station, but that people that had tickets could actually be hypothetically standing there waiting for a bus to show up so the bus still has to exit and make the circle around the. i don't think we came to a complete stop joe huh. at the uh, children's one or maybe a brief one like at a stop sign so that if someone had been sitting in their car uh, half asleep trying to wait to remember to catch the bus they could have run out and caught the bus but on the way home After we found out that these closures had happened, the stop in Childress was was now at a uh, what was that a feed store
2: something yeah it was like literally just super
1: strange it
3: didn't look was not marked in any way shape or form but turns out there were some passengers there who were hoping for empty spots on the bus and when they had been sold tickets there were spots on that bus but that afternoon bus was now carrying people whose morning connection didn't work out us right and so everybody that was waiting for the bus in childress at the feed store or whatever it was uh they didn't get to get on the bus unfortunately
2: yeah it was a rough day it was a rough day for a bunch so of people. uh
3: so it turns out it may be that some some drivers were uh rebelling against this new system that's just been thrust on them and it really was kind of thrust on them over the weekend just like that
2: yeah it's so strange yeah so we kind of caught an odd transition and that wouldn't
3: just, happen right that wouldn't happen any other week
2: right and I've had I've had one bus before where like they couldn't find a driver but it was resolved fairly quickly you know um but it, it was just it was just weird uh, and and yeah so just it seemed like incompetence at the time just turned out to be just complete confusion for everyone. So, you know, can't really fault them too hard for it. But anyway,
3: um, um, we played our final match between our decks. His, his number one deck is red, black. My number one deck is red, black. Uh, he wins game one, uh, somewhat on the back of lovely Olivia, but in a kind of a fair way, then, um, Hey, he's up a game. So what the heck? He he goes ahead and switches to his mono white deck. Green white, uh, green white. Sorry. Well, yeah, right. But it's not. It's mostly white, isn't it?
2: It is mostly white. You're right.
3: And uh, I stayed with red black. And um, and I, I get him. But I think it's pretty much draw specific. But um, he, what the heck? I'm going back to the red black deck. So he goes back to the red black deck for game three. And this time, he murder crushes me. With, uh, with Olivia on turn 3 after a 2-drop, and then on turn 4, uses um, drops the 4-1 uh, Vampire and uh, puts a, discards and puts a counter on it and gives it haste with Olivia. And I was out of that game so fast. And he, he either completely won it on turn 5 or functionally won the game on turn 5.
2: Yeah, it was... It was uh, the, the, the Red Wild Vampires deck that I had wound up being really good. I mean, I looked at, like, two Mythics in my deck and go, oh, green-white, there it is, you know? But uh, th- that's the thing, is, like, there seemed to be so many better aggressive decks because I had early aggression and then was able to kind of s- scale it back. But there was just so much aggression in the format that it was hard for... Any of that to happen, you're never going to flip. I don't think I ever flipped a werewolf.
3: But you and I, we um, in in um, in the in the full box sealed and in our number one decks, we both have Olivia. Uh, we both have Avison's Judgment. We both have That's right. We both have the red X spell, and both choose not to play it because you just see the decks are too fast.
2: Right. Well, actually, you know, you know what's funny is that the red black deck wasn't my deck one. Green-white was. But by the time I got to hypothetical round five, red-black was my first choice deck because I thought it was better. (laughs) So that's why I went with it game one because that was my plan going into round four, which never happened, which was my plan going into round five, which never happened until the bus station. (laughs) So um, green-white was my first deck and my first choice, but I just started to not believe in the deck by the time... Uh, we got into, like, round three. You know, I just started to feel like the red-black was a superior deck.
3: And red-black with, I heard, this, this isn't this is for sure, but I, I heard uh, um, around the campfire that the red-black deck won um, was the top finishing deck after five rounds on Saturday that had eight Fiery Temper. I don't, <laughs> know, don't know if that really happened. Wow. That's what I heard. But uh, the format might be uh, tilted just a little bit towards the strength of cards like Deadweight and uh, Fiery Temper with with um, with all the uh, madness outlets like uh, Call of the Bloodline. And uh, I, I played a Call of the Bloodline, and I, I had a mere five copies of Fiery Temper. <laughs> and it was very fun. That
2: was awesome.
3: Uh, yeah, madness cards are like
4: the closest you can come to cheating, it seems like, <laughs> when you get those off and limited.
3: Right. And this is but anyway, but it's but it is a dream format for uh, it's just it's so interesting that it's a combination of it's got things in it to make it very fair. It's be, be you know, in other words, the average. You want to talk about uh, how I like this? I like the regular sealed format because I think the average six six pack pool is uh, pretty fairly matched against other six pack pools until until a skilled person. Puts the right cards together, then it gets unfair. Well, it's even more fair when you open thirty six packs, but um, uh, but you know, but it's uh, still in- so. It's it, what's funny is that when you when you play against someone playing red black, uh, Olivia is a mythic. But your opponent is playing red-black for a reason. So a great number of the red-black decks will have Olivia in it because that was one more reason why you, out of 36 packs, you made the red-black your deck. If the deck you're playing is white, it's got always watching in it. Not because every box has an always watching in it, but because the white cards clearly you know, tilted for that person in favor of their best cards one reason being cuz they had always watching so the same way that in regular sealed deck when you see uh, the colors someone's playing you can start imagining what rares may have led them to choosing those colors well you're you you don't have to imagine as much in full deck sealed they have it especially non uh, especially non mythics regular rares uh you've got whatever it is you've got a third to a half of all the regular rares probably in your pool very possibly and certainly the colors that someone chooses you should you should come much closer to assuming that they've got at least one copy of important rare that's in that regular color talking about regular rares
2: right um the one thing i was disappointed in uh with my pool was that I went into the thing going, I'm going to build mill. There's no question I'm building mill. I got literally, like, other than several of the vessels... I got two of the mill cards. One of the enchantment that makes a clue and one of the manic scribe, and that was uh,
3: it. I got I was like two scribes and one enchantment, and I should have gone for it. but I, I built it, but I didn't like it.
2: Yeah, I just did not have the cards for it. I was so bummed because I really wanted I was like, I want to play mill. And I was like, nope, we can't do it. I just looked at the cards and just went, cannot force this. There's nothing to force. There's nothing here. But, uh, but man, what a cool experience. Wouldn't that be a great way... For them to get around the "we can't sell you boxes until release day" uh, requirement, if they allowed full box sealed uh, as a pre-release event, right? <laughs> that would be so good.
3: Which is what my old TO Edward Fox is exactly what he did uh, ten years ago, and got and you know probably got in trouble for. He literally, we did do full deck, uh, full box sealed. Um, I can, I can, uh, you can be sure that I can document that if I needed to. Um, and it was before I was even good friends with the guy and before I started working for him as a judge, but I was like, um, a hundred dollars and I get this whole box. Oh, and by the way, there were no prizes, more clues that he was just selling you a box. He kind of didn't care if the tournament part actually happened. Right. but it wa But he put in a he put a constraint on it that was amazing. Um, yeah, it's a full box. You still get the same thirty minutes to build your deck. Uh, RTO Edward Fox is from Australia. Uh, when people said, "Hey, um, that 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 uh, accent is so interesting. Uh, where are you from?" and he would always tell them where he was from. Currently, uh, Wichita, Kansas. Can't you tell from my accent? <laughs> full full box sealed, but you only had thirty minutes. It was amazing. You had to. Uh, and I mean, of course, there was no digital clock uh, hanging up anywhere. You you set your um, – I don't know what kind of giant telephones we may have been using at the time. But you put something on the table in front of you that showed you the time because you probably can't open all your packs. You have to open packs until you see a deck and then, and then build it. And then if you have time, rip a few more packs to see if you can upgrade a card or two. <laughs> <laughs> but that was exciting too. So in a different way, you know, that – uh, these are both, you know, very much Wild West formats, and I'm I'm going to just reach out and guarantee you that uh, next March at the Hunter Burton Memorial, four that uh, we will we will have a side event. It won't be the main event, <laughs> but we will have a side event that if it isn't full deck, if it isn't full box sealed, is going to be a jumbo sealed deck format of some kind because it was so fun and it, it's fun interesting and skill-based uh you know i just don't see how you're going to do better than that
2: why don't you make the top eight full box
3: sealed <laughs> oh man it. well i don't want to play limited well do you like getting a free box <laughs> like, <laughs> just let me know when you want to quit crying just at any minute plus all of you are going to win at least eight hundred dollars but you know you just let me know you know one of you will get a watch worth a thousand dollars but just let me know if it, if there's not enough prizes coming your way but, hey Top eight that's crazy, man. You like it <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, but I could sell that that is very, very cool,
2: yeah, that'd be ridiculous. It would take you a while to play out the top eight, but in terms of like getting it started right. and you would need to do it in competitive r e l
3: oh man, right, which is yeah, it starts to be a problem, but we'll see,
2: yeah, you could I mean, you could have a judge with every person. You know what I mean? Registering as they open. You know what I, I mean. I think like, what
3: could be more what could be more realistic for competitive REL is, uh, and I'm I'm playing with three different names: twelve um, pack sealed or double sealed. But what I really want to call it is super sealed and um, competitive, where you've got to write down all the cards and where you've got to play the same deck the first game of every match. Yeah. Uh so that so that we can deck check you so that uh, to ensure that there's not cheating happening in your in your tournament. That's a good thing. Right. Um you can't do that with a whole box using current uh using today's technology. Maybe someday in the future with flying cars we'll be able to scan your box and have and immediately know all the cards that are in it and then um you know you just lay out your cards and take a picture and that just gets uploaded to Wizards of the Coast somehow. But um until we get there we might have to do it something like Uh, 12-pack sealed, or maybe 18-pack sealed for a competitive format that we can track all the cards. Yeah. Just for fun, though, I am going to, as part of my article this week for Legit MTG, where, yeah, that's right, it's not just podcasts. You can also go there and buy Magic cards and read articles. My article this week uh, for full box sealed, I'm going to take my full box sealed from Albuquerque and detail it on... A deck uh, on a deck checklist sheet, just so you'll see how stupid it is. Here's a five. Here's a six. Here's a four. Here's a two. (laughs) Uh, Oh, every single box has cards marked. Interesting. There's only twenty or so slots out of two hundred ninety-five that don't have a a mark in it. Amazing. I might have to put zeros in those.
2: No, don't do that. You want to be able to see the.
3: They hate. Yeah, you're right. They hate it when you put. We we in the judge community hate it when you put zeros on there. So funny,
2: but it was (laughs) awesome. What a great experience. Uh,
3: And and the internet is a buzz about it. This is this is a thing people are interested in.
2: It's cool. I'm glad that like. We're just not the only crazy ones out there.
3: <laughs> it feels good, and it also does scratch that itch. Some people just want to be ballers too, you know. Yep. And so it it even scratches that itch too. It's like me, I when I play, I play with an entire box. Right, right. <laughs> like your photo on Facebook Sunday morning, you said here, uh, here's my pool for my seal deck today, or yeah, something like my, that. Here's
2: my here's my product for the seal deck. Yeah. Event.
3: And it's an entire box sitting on top of your play mat. They're going, where? Where are those packs? Are they underneath that box?
2: Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's not. He's not inside the bus. He is
3: the bus. <laughs> the bus of the undead. No, but um, and how easy would it be to this format? You could play it at competitive level right this instant on Magic Online, and wouldn't be surprised. They have thought of much worse ways to get you to spend a bunch of money on Magic Online. Full box sealed will be completely reasonable on Magic Online. It'd be a very good. It'd be a very good event in general. It'd, it'd be a pretty interesting um, league event.
2: League, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is a league. It'd be a great league. Because you got all that time to build your deck first. Like they, right.
3: Then yeah. Then they don't have to have any rules at all about deck construction time. Just hey, dude, when you're ready, start playing league matches.
2: Right. Right. Huh. That's a really good idea. Um. All right. So that about does it for us forever. Woo. Forever.
4: I mean, some <laughs> sort of audible sad noise. Uh,
3: well, Joe, this is a time that I want to kind of ask you something. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years?
2: <laughs> <laughs> for uh, five days. Five days. Hopefully playing my bass for once. That sounds uh,
3: like a good idea. I mean, I know you're raring to get to it.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, hopefully in a gigging jazz group, for real. Like, that's kind of where I hope I'm t- hope to be, you know? Um,
3: I wish I had the skills to play drums with you. What I do have the skills to do is... Uh, play drums on the table, watching you play <laughs> from the front row. Hopefully,
2: I yeah, hopefully you have the skills to show up when I play. <laughs> that's very useful too, So having people actually attend these shows. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's really what I'm hoping to uh, to get started on. And uh, I don't see myself as outside of playing in a band. I don't see myself as a public figure. In terms of like doing any sort of gaming stream, any sort of podcast, any sort of thing like that, just because um, I need a break from from that, from being in the public eye, I don't like it, and I'm done with it. So that I'm looking forward to going back to just keeping to myself a little bit. I'm kind of, and scaling that outward outgoing thing scaling that back a little bit i'm just really looking forward to that more than anything i think steven are you still going to be in the state
4: uh you know that's a good question i don't know yeah. <laughs> uh, i haven't even started uh applying other than people who have asked can i give your resume to whomever i'm like yeah you can i mean i'll look at it, but i'm not like actively looking at the moment so we'll see uh, but, yeah, I mean, pretty odds on chance I'll still be in Dallas and then, like, maybe 25% chance New York, 25% other. Right. Word. But who knows? Doing something.
2: So did you have fun? Today? No, in general with the show.
4: Oh, yeah. Good. I enjoyed it. Like, talking to, like, uh, it's weird. It's like, it's not mentally, like, a product that seems to, like, go out to anyone. So right. It's just a bonus whenever, game like, was like, oh, yeah, I like the show. I'm like, oh, that is weird. I didn't think you heard that. <laughs> um,
3: right, just kind of what you're saying it's like a bonus when anybody listens
4: yeah like i was playing one of the sealed uh uh pre-release leagues right and it was the last round and he's like he just recognized my screen name he's like oh are you steven from yo mtg taps i'm like oh yes i am he's like oh it's awesome i love this show i don't feel as bad losing i'm like this is great
2: that's funny. Uh, I wonder if anyone's ever said that to me because I always just close the chat window and never <laughs> open it. I wonder if anyone's tried to be nice to me. I wonder if it's always – I've always just like – I never open it
3: for Oh, me. I'm Better such a course. troll. Hey, Joe, like, I listened to the show the other day. Blocked.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I gave Jeff a little insight into my uh, – my blanket blocking of people on Facebook, which is now I, my list is over 100 people blocked.
3: It's quite uh, a rogues gallery.
2: Yeah, it is, I've too.
4: I've never blocked anyone on there.
2: It is, too. You look through my list, and you're like, yep, that guy's a jerk. That guy's a jerk. That guy isn't a jerk in real life, but his online persona is a total jerk. Um,
3: There's one guy I've known in Dallas for 20 years, and I've unfriended him three times. <laughs> we're, we're friends again. Right. And I'm just I'm just getting used to the political commentary and just trying not to freak out as much.
4: Right. Oh, see, yeah, I, okay. Now, see, I spend more time on Twitter. I've had to call mostly no no blocks, but mostly just turn off retweets.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: I'm like, I right, I know what you're gonna you're gonna tweet something stupid,
3: and yep. uh, I'm just. Gonna it doesn't me to draw me off sides most of the time, but you know, yeah, once in a while.
2: Well. Uh, I guess we should wrap it up because yeah, we've been on the call for a long time, and uh, it's time to go. It's time to let it lie. Uh, but it's been a great time, and I just want to thank everyone who's listened or written in or commented or anything. Uh, anyone who's called on the on the hotline we had a long time ago. Because that's how long this show's been around. Um. It's just been really cool uh, doing this show for everyone. Um, And it's been really helpful too um, for me because, um, you know, I have a lot of social anxiety that you'd never guess from meeting me and that I don't really talk about much. And uh, the show is a really, uh, has been a really good way to like battle against that. And um, so it's been really helpful and, you know, just. Getting you know positive reinforcement from people once in a while and just getting those sort of comments uh, means more to me than than could ever even imagine. So it's just been great um, doing the show and and being able to bring it back. and legit MTG has been amazing. They've just let us do what we want. Um, all the time without restrictions without trying to push us in a certain direction uh, Josh and Nate in particular have just been super helpful and super generous and and I can't thank those guys enough um, they just have done more for us than uh, than than I even thought would be possible um, but doing the show just in the way we wanted to which in the way I wanted to was to do it a little more low key than, than taps was the first time around uh, fewer guests, just kind of more me talking to Steven um, a lot of the times about stuff we did and stuff we liked. And I think that's like, you know, being allowed to do that and not being like, Hey, you guys didn't have enough guests. Like that was super great because I just liked this version of the show a lot, you know, doing it was, a, was, was really fun. Um, so, uh it was great. Uh you know, it's too bad Joey couldn't be here. Joey's in Italy. Uh but he couldn't be here. Uh he may or may not have a recording uh for us to uh to play on the show and if he does, I will play it right now. And if he didn't
4: Ooh, shots fired.
2: If he didn't, you didn't hear anything. So, um I guess that's all we have forever. Uh, So, until never again, we are YoMTG taps, both of you.
3: Yo.
4: Stop bitching.
2: Uh, come on, Jeff. Okay, one, <sighs> two. one two,
3: three. Stop, Stop bitching, bitching and start, start brewing.
4: brewing. Happy Earth Day,
1: everybody. Peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, that album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yo, the rhyme raises more eyes once I ride through the door.
0: YoMTG Taps is available every Friday on legitmtg.com, I want my mtg.com, mtgcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, BrainLink, Telegraph, and via passenger pigeon at pigeoncast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to umtg taps at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv legitmtg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.